Uh, just want to start the show. Shout out to my father, Brian Lee. Shout out Brian, man. Hope you're uh, enjoying listening to this while driving somewhere <laughs> for work. It's, I love that, dude. That's the, that's the best time, man. Oh, yeah. You get in. I used to work. So I used to work at the golf course at Oakhurst down yeah. in, in Clarkston, Lake Orion area. I go out in the ball shagger, right? Picking up at the range. Dude, rip through like three what podcasts. Th- what do you think I did all summer? I listened to your podcast. That's true. I, you remember you telling me yeah. actually the exact same thing. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah, I worked golf maintenance all summer. Uh, Always listen to the podcast. If you're in a golf shagger right now, welcome back to Division One Rejects. This is episode 88. I'm Kobe Manzo. He's Trevor Lee. And I uh, got the D1R Red on today. Oh, yeah. Planned Love it out, it. actually. <laughs> um, we've got a great episode for you today. Another guy going to be wearing the D1R Red, a.k.a. the Buckeye Red, is Jaron Duhart. He's a graduate assistant on the defensive side of the ball with helping out with corners at Ohio State University. And the story with Jaron that Trevor and I were talking about is that very cool perspective in that he was a Division II athlete, played at Wayne State University here in the GLIAC, and then went on to coach, be the corners coach at Wayne State, took a GA job with Michigan State, and now is over at Ohio State. So that was the spark notes of his journey. Obviously, a lot of tumultuous ups and downs throughout that. We talked to him all about it, um, but just a very cool perspective from him. I really enjoyed our conversation. But otherwise, at the D2 level, data from the D2 transfer portal has been released by the NCAA for the first time um, ever because obviously transfer portal hasn't really been around right, right. in the grand scheme of things hasn't really been around very long. Um, that covers the 2021, 2022 academic year. So we're going to read all about um, how many guys and girls, sorry, transferred, landed, had athletic scholarship money. Didn't, you know, those type of statistics. Um, <clears throat> then moving on some NFL side of things, Bobby Wagner released by the Rams. Kyle Trask might be the starting quarterback for the bucks. They might like really be happy about that. Sounds like, I don't know, but then other professional football is going to dominate a little bit of our conversation today. We're going to go through and rate all of the XFL uniforms, all eight, I believe eight teams. I think so. Sounds about right. So we're going to go through and rate all those, some really clean looks coming out of the XFL, which kind of an uphill battle when your league is Under Armour uniforms, I would say. Would you agree yeah. with that? They're not, you know? they're not bad. They're not, and I'm, I've been really impressed, but Under Armour just doesn't have the reputation they of a Nike or an Adidas, you know what I mean, to do I, that. I didn't even know, do they even make? Uniforms for, like, high schools and stuff? Do they, That's a great question. I don't I, I don't know. even know. I just know that they partner because of the Rocks brand, yeah, Project yeah. Rock. You can see that exactly. in the back of their their uh, jerseys it has the bowl. Like his, Which is a dope logo. Oh, it is. It's Love sweet. it. Love yeah. the Project Rock gear. Um, but then after we go through rate the XFL uniforms, talk about the first ever USFL college draft, the 2023 college draft, which if you follow us on any of our socials, you saw that there were six Division II guys selected in the USFL draft. One NAIA guy who we probably will have on the podcast next week. Really? Big time. Awesome. Big time. I don't want to, you know, speak it. I'm speaking into existence, but I'm talking with him. We're going to set up a time and, awesome. and get him on here. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I won't name drop anything, but go check out the socials. Uh, Instagram at Division One Rejects. Twitter at D1 underscore Rejects. I'm excited about that conversation. So before we get to all that fun stuff, if you're listening on YouTube, use the timestamps. Red bar at the bottom of the video. Fast forward any part of the video you want to listen to. You want to listen to Jaron? Go ahead. Quit listening to me. Otherwise, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast. We're everywhere. You can't escape it. Let's get to the conversation with Jaron. Joining us tonight, guy that played D2 football at Wayne State here in the GLIAC, coached for the Warriors before moving on to the staff at Michigan State. He's just taking a position with the Buckeyes. He's in the drip already. Jaron Duhart. My man, I already got you decked out. I knew, as soon as you put the camera on, <laughs> the new gear is already up. I love it, man. Oh, yeah. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm pumped to get you back on. Like I said, you took a little bit of a, a brief intermission, you know, between your last appearance on a pod to now. You got to fill me in, man. Catch us up with uh, what you've been up to. Yeah, man. So, what, so last time I came on, I was with, with Wayne State, right? Yeah. So that was 2000, 2019, probably 2020. So mm-hmm. I spent 2019, 2020 um, with the Warriors and then um, ended up, you know, just getting a call and uh, by the defensive coordinator to to come up to Michigan State. So um, I got there in spring of 2021, man, and and uh, you know from there, you know, it's kind of it's kind of kind of been a roller coaster from there, man. You know, obviously getting adjusted to uh, you know being in Power Five football and I guess like the different things that kind of come with that, and you know just getting adjusted to that level. So um, spent two years there, uh, 2021. Uh, went to the Peach Bowl that year. We went eleven and two. Uh, the year was crazy. And in uh, two thousand twenty-two, uh, we went five and seven. 
so on. And then and then and then kind of the same thing happened, man. I ended up I ended up getting contacted by the Buckeyes, man, and and uh, you know talked to them for a little bit before everything happened, and you know they 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 had me come down to interview and um, you know offered me a job a couple of days later. So I've been I've been here for almost two weeks now, man. And it's it's uh it's uh been been nothing but you know, exceptional and, and, and amazing so far, man. So um, really good experience, man. Really good. Yeah, that's awesome. And I remember I reached out to you. You're still at Michigan State. And you were like, yeah, let's get on. Like after signing day, things will settle down a little bit. And then I come on Twitter and I'm scrolling through and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's not, he's going to Ohio State now. I'm like, even more reason to get this dude on to, to talk about it, man. I might imagine like pretty hectic stuff, but I mean, both at Michigan State and now going over to the Buckeyes, just chances to learn from really experienced coaches, both, like you said, Power 5 football in the Big Ten. You just, I mean, you can't replicate that. Talk about what that's like. Yeah, man. So um, so at Michigan State, I was actually under uh, Coach Coach Harlan Barnett, um, who's actually been been with the Spartans for, for a long time. Uh, Spartan dog, played for him, uh, was in the league for a minute. And then uh, under Coach Mel Tucker. So Coach Mel Tucker is actually coaching the corner. So. Yeah, um, a very, a, a very, very unique experience being able to to be able to, you know, be under him and learn how he coaches corners because I've I've coached corners my whole life, mm-hmm. you know. So being able to learn under him and you know he he coach Tucker coaches with 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 great detail, um, so you know just just be just being able to break everything down and you know make sense of of, of how he does things and uh, which is which is really good. I'm grateful to to have experienced that and. And now I'm under Coach Tim Walton, who um, he's been in the NFL for uh, for a long time. As I'm gonna well, say too. that's a big name in itself, right there, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And I know he's he, he's uh, he, he's had some of the NFL greats come on and speak on his speak on his behalf, and and uh, you know just being under him so far, you know has been has been really good as well too. I've learned I learned a great deal already. And then uh, Coach Perry Eliano is, is a safeties coach, so I get to I get to listen under. Uh, Coach Perry, and you know, see what he has to say for for the safeties, and and, and understand what he's teaching over there. So, um, I got I got some. So yeah, man, I got I got some I got some uh, really good guys. I've, I've I've you know been able to to learn from man, which is which is a blessing being so young in my career. Yeah, man, and those are people that are gonna you know hopefully vouch for you in the future and be guys you can use as references, those type of things. And Mel Tucker wasn't he Coach Corners at Bama, correct? Yeah. So can yeah. we say officially that you're part of the saving tree now? Is that how that works? <laughs> nah, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that's like, I think that's kind of like a, there's some type of connection right there. It's I like a, it's like a second out. removed cousin or something, something like along that, those yeah. lines in the family tree. But yeah, you're, you're up there, man. I'm happy yeah, man, for you. I'm, it's exciting stuff. Oh, no, no. I appreciate it, man. And I know like a lot, a lot of those guys have been under saving at, at some point. So, uh, Coach Barnett, he was under Saban when he was at the LSU back in the day. I, th- I okay. think it was like 2003. So he he won that national championship with Saban. Um, Didn't know that. Obviously, Coach Tucker's been under Saban multiple times at Michigan State, LSU, and then and then Bama again in 2015. Um, and then uh, Coach Walton was under Saban. I want to say in 2003 as well with with Coach Barnett. So so that Coach Barnett and, and Coach Walton actually know each other. Like who has this man not like impacted in the college coaching world? That is ridiculous. I knew about the Mel the Mel Tucker one's obvious, but that's wild. Yeah, it's a small world, man. It is, man. Smaller than it seems. But what I really wanted to to kind of get at, um, in your opinion, seeing as you've been at Wayne State, now you've made this big jump to coaching some really talented guys. I wanted to know. In your opinion, what's the biggest difference between the DBs that you coached in the GLIAC at a Wayne State compared to the guys that you've been helping coach in the Big Ten? Is there one piece of their game that really separates them from those D2 guys? It's speed, really. Speed, um, you know, for the most part, like, you're going to have, like, the best athletes in the world, you know, like, especially especially at corner, you know. Yeah. Like, you got to be able to, you know, naturally, I, I think I think their corners are, are, are the best athletes on the field anyway, so yeah. – you elevate from Division two to, you know, Division one Power Five. You're gonna get the best athlete on the field every single time, you know. And and uh, a lot of that, a lot of that speed, because these dudes got to run with everybody. Yeah, hundred percent. And now you talk about that because you got to keep up with the dudes that are on the other side of the ball. And so, kind of going right off of that, there are some names that pop out, like uh, Jaden Reed, as of late, or someone like that. But who's a dude that, whether they're on your roster or someone you had to game plan against, that was just a problem 
for a secondary? Is there anyone that jumps out like that that you had to go up against? Are you or your guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Um, you know, obviously, obviously, uh, Jay Reed. Jay Reed was always a problem, man. Jay Reed was very hard to get hands on, man. And I think uh, the, the the other dude who I'm, I'm with now is Marvin Harrison Jr., man. Yep. 100%. Great answer. Yep. His, uh, he's a guy that, uh, I mean, I guess you could say draft stock, even though depending on, you know, who you're talking to, it's just continued to, to go up. And they've produced, like, a ton of really talented wide receivers in the last couple of years. So that's got to be something that, going over there, I mean, there's a standard to uphold. And also, on the other side of the ball, I feel like that would almost be a challenge to the guys that are lining up across from every single day. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it it it, it uh, is because you got to take those talents, man, and, like, you got to be able to compete with those guys consistently, you know, and I think I think I think another guy that that uh, I had I had a blessing to kind of go against was was Keon Coleman over there in Michigan State. Oh too. yeah, I think I think I think I think Keon Coleman is very very underrated. You know what I mean? He he's a, he's a Keon Coleman is one of the 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 elite competitors in college football, man. And and uh, you know like you get guys like that who like you never know where, like where they're going to catch the ball. You know, yep. like they're big, they're strong, they're fast, but at the same time, like they're so athletic that like you got to deal with all that stuff too. So, yeah, so, yeah. I hear you, man. We that heard uh, we heard Dion say, and you know, Dion says a lot, but we heard Dion say that the biggest jump going up from level to level was the trenches. I don't know if you've heard him talking about that. The O line and the D line—that's the biggest difference from from each level. You think that's he's he's right along the the lines on that one? Oh yeah, ab- ab- absolutely, man, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, like, like, so, so, like, now, like, you get those linemen who are, you know, six, six, you know, three, three twenty, three forty, but like, can run too, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, especially like, especially like the uh, the foot speed, man, like those dudes are bigger, stronger, and those dudes are 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 quicker too, you know what I mean? So, like the like the trenches are, you know, completely different coming coming from D two to you know, power five. I can, I can, I can definitely say that. Yeah. Now I got to ask, did you see, um, your guy, Jarrett Horst, first overall pick USFL draft. Did you see the graphic that they put out for him? Um, I did see the graphic. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, zero in on it, but I, I saw it, man. That might, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. I'm talking like <laughs> Jared's a great player. You know, I've seen a little, just a list, a little bit of tape on him. Obviously they think he's a great guy to go ahead and, and pick him and you know, that, that selection, but, they got him. Looks like potentially getting beat on this it graphic. Looks like he's getting beat. A little bit of a hold going on, and we'll make the worst part is that's a Michigan guy that he's going up against. And I thought they drafted the Michigan guy. And I look at the it name, is- look at the school. I'm like, wait a minute. It shows the Michigan guy more than even him. <laughs> yeah, Doesn't dude. make any sense. It was a blunder. I felt bad for dude man. because he did not deserve that. But obviously, a huge congratulations to him. I wanted to know if you saw that or not. Yeah, it's my guy, Horace, man. It's my dude. He's a. Uh, I just felt I just felt for him. That's all. I just wanted that. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but that was uh, definitely an interesting thing with that that USFL college draft that they did. But um, kind of to get back to you talking about that transition, going from the roster to the coaching staff at Wayne State. Um, you know, not something that I've ever really looked to do, but actually something that I've talked with my coaches a little bit about now because two knee surgeries in, you're like, you know, the back of your head, like maybe you know, hang it up sometime here, especially if I do another one, but. Um, is that something you always wanted to do to make that transition, or where did that uh, come about? Um, so you're talking about going from, like, Wayne State to the Power Five? No, more so about going from playing to being on the other side and coaching and really helping out on, on that side of things. Oh, I got you. So, you know, I, I never – I had I had never really originally planned to coach. Like, okay. that was never, ever my plan. Um, I kind of just got back into it uh, just because my, my past coaches have – have have hit me up and asked me to come back and be a part of the program. That's awesome. And I wasn't, you know, doing what I wanted to do in my life at at at, at that point. I, w- I was still building up to to what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I, I started I, I started coaching in the meantime, and then yeah. it kind of kind of kind of developed into this, which is which is crazy. So, you know, that's kind of how that came about. I feel like that's the biggest compliment you could get from a former coach is like that they believe in you that much and they endorse you that much that they want you to come back. Even if, like you said, like you don't have experience at the time, obviously not talking about now at the time, you don't have experience doing that. They believe in, in what you do and what you stand for so much that they want you to come back and, and be a part of the, you know, whatever they're building. That's got to feel great, man. Yeah, man. No, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, like the first, the first school I went to was Toledo Central Catholic, and uh, you know Greg Dempsey down there. He uh, he's he's had a lot of 
he's had a lot of success down there. And, you know, for him to, for him to ask me to come back was, was huge because I don't know how many guys he actually asked to come back. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Paul Winters was, was kind of the same deal. Um, I had a lot of success at Wayne state and he was the head coach and, you know, for him to, for him to, you know, come back and, 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 and ask me if I wanted to join again and, you know, for the possibility of getting my master's and, you know, to, to be able to advance my life and my lifestyle, you know, was, was attractive to me. So, so yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely, uh, you know, thank those guys for asking me to come back and here I am. Yeah. I love it, man. And obviously you've seen the new hire down at Wayne state with coach Wheatley to talk about the experience that, uh, that he's had. I got to imagine that for guys like you, I mean, obviously you had a great relationship with coach winners, but um, you got to feel like that this program definitely is, making hopefully some right moves to be back in contention. And, you know, it's not that the winning for them has been that far away. I go back just to 2019 where they beat Grand Valley and they had a, a year like that. But, yeah. you know, talk about your perspective on that and what you've seen from from them in the last couple couple months. Yeah, man. So um, so it's, it's, it's actually funny because one of my one of my close friends and one of my close teammates at the time when I played Antoine Robinson, he, 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 he was a defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. We've had uh, Antoine on the show, actually. Oh yeah! Oh nah, yeah! Since he's oh, been yeah. at Wayne, we got to get him back on, though. Oh yeah, no doubt. So, you know, he he's been, he's been he you know he he's been the one that's really kind of keeping me updated and, and everything like that. But, um, you know, he's had a very um, coach Coach Wheatley. He's he's had a very positive response and reaction uh, to to getting hired down there because you know a lot of the guys that I've been around have have kind of asked me, you know, about about the position and and, and you know kind of just about the program and stuff like that, and they kind of yeah. seem to hurt. Um, coach, coach Wheatley was getting hired, man. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, very good for the city, man. And I think, I think they're going to have an opportunity to, you know, shape that program and kind of run it how they want to. So, you know, they got all the possibilities in the world to, to be great. Yeah. We had, uh, we actually had a corner from Wayne on just last week, Drake Reed. Yeah. I was say, yeah, Drake Reed is my guy, man. I was say, I, I figured, I figured. So we had Drake on and I was telling him, man, like watching the presser with coach Wheatley, I was like, I don't play for him. I don't know him, but I'm ready to go hit someone for him. Like, I loved it. And he said, yeah, he told me the first thing he said was like, yeah, he toned that shit down too. Like that's, we got in the weight room. Like the first time we got in the weight room, he said he wouldn't repeat it on here. So that's probably, that's probably okay. But he said the energy was like, the bar was set immediately. I love it, dude. That's good for him, man. That's what they need. Yeah. That's what they need, man. Birth of fresh air for him. hundred percent. Now kind of go back a little bit, a couple more things for you. Um, Guys in, in my position, guys that were in your position playing at this level that, you know, maybe do or don't have plans of getting back into the game and staying around it. I just wanted to pick your brain. What kind of advice do you have for them about getting on the other side of it, getting into the coaching of things? And if anything um, about your journey, would you go back and, and change any part of how you handled it? Or uh, what would you tell these guys that are potentially trying to get into it? Um, you know, I think you got you just got to understand that you're going to have to sacrifice. You know, you're going to have to grind. You know, you're just going to have to do whatever it is that you got to do for however long it is to, to get to where you want to go. You know, um, you know, every, everything, everything going to be pretty, you know, you might, you might, you know, might be broke, you know, that's, that, that's, you know, how, how it was for me, but, um, you know, really just put your head down, grind and just focus on getting better, you know, like don't focus on, I guess, moving up or don't focus on like, like your position and what you're doing, but really focus on, you know, your craft and getting better at that every single day because, you know, that's what really counts because, you know, at some point you're going to be in a position where it is your turn. And if you aren't ready when your turn comes, then like, that's on you, like you're screwed, you know? So, you know, the main advice is just keep your head down, grind and sacrifice, man. And I think like that whole sacrifice part is, 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 you know, is, is, is huge because there are going to be things that, you know, you want to do or like, or, like that you don't want to give up that you have to give in order to get. Yeah. You know, like, for example, like when I was at Wayne state, like I was, I was, I was sleeping in the back of the stadium for two years. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't really getting paid, but I, I was, I was sleeping in the back of the stadium. Like I couldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't really going out like that. Like I couldn't, because I, I couldn't afford anything. Couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But, and you know, for, for for being young, like, what do you want to do? You want to go out? You want to kick it? You know, you want you want to have some money in your pocket, but you're gonna have to let some of the things go in order to be able to advance in the future. So, you know, just stay down for the come up, man, and just grind it out. Man, I mean, that was a this is a long quote, but I'm gonna get it printed somewhere, man. 
That was good stuff. I mean that. That was really good stuff. And I know, like, you know, I don't know you like that, but just from talking to you a couple times, having a couple exchanges, like, you're going to end up getting it. You're going to end up making it for sure. I'm excited to see where that is. I don't know where that is. Shoot, you might not even know where that is, but you're going to end up making it. I don't, man. I don't. I don't, man, and 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 and, and you know, I follow, I follow the same advice I just give you. You know what I mean? Like I just keep my head down and I just grind, you know, because I know, like at some point, my name's gonna be called to do what I've been what I've been hoping to do for a long time. Yeah, you know what I mean. So so I have to continuously prepare myself because you never know when the opportunity's gonna come. Like this opportunity could come tomorrow. It could, like out of nowhere. But if I'm not ready for it, then then the opportunity is 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 gone. So keep your head down, enjoy it, man, and just you know grind it out and and and, and prepare yourself. Stay ready, so you ain't got to get ready. I love that. I love that. That's any that's anything in life, man. That's why you, that's how you just gotta treat it. I love that. But for you, and I've asked this to a bunch of guys, and I'm curious always to hear their answers because they're usually different. And guys have told me that getting into coaching, you know, their aspiration. You talked about getting better at your craft. You know, I've had guys say, I want to be the best defensive line coach in the country. No aspirations of being a defensive coordinator or a head coach or coaching at any level, wherever they're at, just, just to, you know, be perfect or as close to perfect as they can at their, as their craft. Is there an end goal for you? Or, I mean, right now, obviously, it's just as early as you are in your career, just figuring it out as you go along. Yeah, so the end goal for me is to be a head coach in college football. Okay, um, sweet, man. You know, one of the things I do want to do is experience all levels of football. Um, you know, so obviously experiencing the, the the NFL level is, you know, still still there for me as to you know what I want to do. So, but you know, the end goal end goal at the end of the day is is to is to be a to be a head coach in college football and you know get to a place to where I can I can really build and and uh, the athletic administration really really supports football because that's where it's where it's going to come from. So, yep, hundred percent. That's all I got for you, man. I really appreciate you. That that flew by. We were almost like we were almost like twenty minutes into this thing. Um, but I'm serious. Like that was that was really that was really strong stuff. And like just hearing you talk about all that stuff, like I said, I'm excited to see you're only what two weeks into over being at Ohio State? Yeah, man. Two weeks in. I'm excited to see how that shakes out for you. And you know, whatever comes next, I'm definitely gonna be following along. And like I said, I know you're gonna make it somewhere. And I'm I'm just excited to see where that is and where you really find roots and start to Start to build something. Thank you, man. You know it's it's a it's a uh, journey, man. So you know, like I said, I'm I'm I'm, just, I'm gonna just keep my head down and just grind it out. You know, keep perfecting my craft, man. And and uh, you know, I always I always be tuning in to, to to you guys, man. I think I think you guys do a really good job of getting some really some really quality guests on here, man. And and uh, you know, obviously, I've, I've seen I've seen the transformation from you guys from 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 then to now. You know what I mean? So you know, so 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 keep grinding on your end too, man. And you know, keep keep that progress up, man. And if you guys need anything, man, you, you know where to find me. My man, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, man. Hey, like I said, that's all I got for you. I always promise everyone I'll keep it, I'll keep it somewhat brief. I ain't going to hold you forever. But like I said, I appreciate you a ton, man. Looking forward to seeing a ton of great stuff from you in the future. All right? All right, man. Take it easy. Go You Bucks. too, man. We'll see you. Yeah. All right. Good stuff talking with Jaron. Um, second time, like I've said, second time having him on the podcast. I would tell you to go back and watch the first podcast that we have him on. But I don't actually believe you can watch it. I think it was an audio-only podcast. Wow. Yeah. And we now we have a studio. Where did, where did you film that one Like at? this. All the cameras. Was that? Was that back in high school? So that was back in 2020. Um, that would have... That might have actually been in my dorm room. Either my dorm room or I was home for break and I was on the couch in my basement. <laughs> so... Look at where you come. That's just, spe- that's just special stuff. It's really cool. Oh, so like yeah. I said, go back and listen to it if you want. Uh, I'm sure it was... A little more cringy conversation on my end, because I don't think I'm as natural, hopefully, as I am now. But um, Jaron was still was still spitting some really good stuff and talk about like the struggle, right? Of like, you know, he was very open about it. Oh, yeah. I slept in the stadium when I was there. Like that is it's a unique perspective, and that, it's tough. Like it's tough to admit that. You know yeah, what I mean? To come on yeah. here and say some stuff like that, I feel like is is it's hard to not want to glamorize what it is that you're doing, right? And try to like make it seem mm-hmm. more appealing, you know, kind of what you've yeah. been through, but. It's really cool stuff. I was I was really happy that he uh, that he shared that type of stuff with us. But we can look at the data from the D two transfer portal. And Trevor, I'll pull up the tweet here that I'm referencing. We'll go through some numbers. I'll also pull up the article in question, and that is not it. Um, but let's see. No, I don't want to do that for me. There it is. 
The NCAA released their transfer portal data on D2 student-athletes for the first time ever. Here are a few quick takeaways. So just some, I guess, disclaimers before we kind of dive into this is that the transfer data for this covers the 2020 to 21 and the 2021 to 22 academic years. This is the first year the NCAA has published data from the Division II transfer portal and only the second year the Division I transfer portal data has been made available as what they call an interactive dashboard. So basically these dashboards were created in response to requests from the membership for more transparency around the portal and just kind of like education, I think, on it because it's been such a, especially when it was first incepted, it was such a very foreign concept. So if you look at this tweet, these are all numbers that I I kind of fact-checked as well. So these are all correct according to the document the NCAA published. First one right here. In Division II, 10,324 student-athletes requested to be entered in the transfer portal and a combined total of 3,033 successfully transferred to another NCAA program. I'm no mathematician, but that's not great. Holy shit, dude. That, I mean, let me actually, I kind of want to get, like, a percentage on that because I am I should have done this before, but I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it right now. So it was what? Three zero three three over ten three twenty four. What's your guess? Thirty. Thirty? I mean, yeah, you're close. It's basically twenty nine percent. You round twenty nine percent. I saw it three. So less than a third of the actual athletes who requested to be entered into the transfer portal successfully transferred to another NCAA program. Now, I think a caveat to that stat: NAIA. True. Right. So I mean, you could have. D3 or D2 guys, I think pretty common for them to transfer. That NAI is a somewhat yeah. comparable level, depending on where you're at in the country, what league you're talking about. Um, but the... But uh, that can't be that big of a percentage. Exactly. That's what, not, maybe maybe like 7 or 8% probably. If that. If that. I would say if that. Yeah. yeah. And that's on the high end. What the, the league here, it's the... Uh, what's the NAI conference right here? Why am I blanking on it? The Michigan and Wisconsin. It's like basically Michigan, Wisconsin. It's a, it, like, there, I think Valley's in it. It's like something. It's Wolverine something, I thought. I don't know. Either way, that's a pretty good NAI conference. They got some good teams in there. But still, that stat is wild. Moving on to the next one here. 18% of Division II coaches reported high levels of stress related to the perceived need to recruit four-year transfers into their program. That's lower than I expected, actually. Kind of interesting. And I wonder, like, that's not really as much of a tangible stat, too, right? Like, high levels of stress. I don't know. Yeah, that's... Interesting one. Um, But moving down here, you have some more stats on the D1 side of things. This says 67% of FBS, so football bull subdivision, the D1, like the the bigger group of five power five teams, 67% of FBS athletes and 58% of FCS, football championship subdivision athletes, entered with athletic aid from their departing schools. So over half of the, the guys at the D1 level are dudes that were on scholarship. And... When you talk about FBS and FCS, they only deal with full scholarships. Right. So you're talking about guys that have a full scholarship to play football somewhere. And they're betting on themselves to go somewhere else. That's a much higher percentage than I was expecting. Me too. I thought it'd be probably, I would say at least less than 50. Yeah, dude. That would have been my guess. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has a full scholarship to play somewhere. And I'm not advocating for like, yeah, like if you have a, if you think you can go play like at a big, well, much more big time school. Like, shit, yeah. we just saw a wide receiver from Hillsdale in the GMAC. He's going on a scholarship to go play at Arkansas. Yeah. Like, things like that happen, but they're kind of few and far in between. Right, right. Because right? right. guys coming out of high school, you kind of know where they're going to end up. Yeah. So that number is very surprising, though, because you're talking about guys that have a full scholarship that have kind of living the dream, I think, of a lot of, a lot of kids. And they, yeah, 100%. It's not enough. And hey, more power to them. Just hopefully it works out for them, right? Uh, the last one here, 63% of FBS athletes and 44% of FCF, FCS athletes received athletic aid at their new NCAA school. So it goes down. Obviously. Again, that combined number is right about 50%. Yeah. So, yeah. So then what? the rest of that money just gets reallocated, I guess, into recruiting and into maybe current guys in the roster. You have a couple you know, guys that earn a scholarship. Yeah, because I mean, the money's got to go somewhere, right? It's kind of what do you th- what do you think about that? It's interesting. I don't know. Um, I think it's interesting, like the fact that um, well, I just bl- blanked on my thought, but <laughs> that's bad. <I> hear- 
<laughs> um, I hear you. No, I'm just pulling up the, the article to find more Division Two specific stuff. But it's just I think it's crazy the amount of guys that, like, they, how much it went down that they received aid after they went to a new school. So think about the people that they they transferred while having aid, and then mm-hmm. they, they go somewhere else without aid. So is that, like, guys that are at, like, I'll give you an example. They're at a... Uh, Mac school. They're at Buffalo, for example. And I should pre- we should preface this by all saying that this is not just football. So, okay, I'm just using football. Yeah, for we're using example. football as an example, but I just wanted to let yeah. you know, like, this is yeah. across, I believe, all sports. All NCAA yeah, sports. All NCAA yeah, all NCAA sports. So just, this is not just football. We're a football podcast. We're football guys. We talk football. We understand this could be cross-country, track, softball, right. wrestling, basketball, whatever yeah. it is. But keep going. So is that a lot of guys that they're at a Mac school, whatever sport they play, and they yep. think, well, I can go to even bigger. I can go power five. And they maybe get a PD, PWO to a Power Five. Is that what a lot of that is? Like they they're leaving thinking they can get a scholarship, and then they they end up getting a PWO. I, that's that is just I, I want to yeah. know like more of the yeah examples of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it'd be interesting to hear like I think we'll have to get like some more specific stories. I think from people kind of going yeah. through that process because yeah. I just don't know enough really about it. And I think it's become much more straightforward. I think, right, because you just have guys that you see on Twitter all the time, like, I'm officially under the transfer portal, and you get the email from the NCAA, your, your institution, saying that, you know, Northern Michigan University has officially released you and entered your name yeah. into the portal, so you're visible to coaches, blah, blah, blah. I think it's become much more transparent, which is what they wanted, because um, at first it was like, what the hell is this? It was like how we're treating NIL now. Yeah. is how we started with the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. That was the one question I didn't get to with Jaron, is that um, he was a part of recruiting at D2 at Wayne State, and he obviously was in some aspect and involved in recruiting at Michigan State. Right. The what's, NIL. The... What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should so, have asked him that. I, I didn't even think about that. I didn't get to it. I had it, I had it on my notes. I had it on my rundown. I did not get to it. Um, I should have looked at your notes, Kobe. That's <laughs> you, not me. You had the, You have it. You have it. Um, I know. But I know I have it. I missed it. That's on me. Um, but we can, we can move over. Let's go. I want to go right to the XFL uniforms. I'm down. I'm excited about this one. The XFL, man, they're resurrected. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams in the XFL. Let's start with what might be the favorite as far as the XFL uniforms go. That would be the Seattle Sea Dragons. And oh my goodness, those helmets. I just think those helmets are so cool. Like the detail of the dragon scaling in the helmets and like the green face mask just works. Yeah, you wouldn't think that a green face mask would work. No, like it looks good. Navy. Also, would yes. you think that green and orange would look good together? Kind of. Like, you, like you would yes. Think so? so, like, yes. But my thing is this I take it one step further. I think blue and orange. Always go. Yeah, simple yeah. enough. Right. Green and orange. I think you can make maybe make, maybe make work. But the three of them together, I think that's impressive. Yeah. It's just an interesting color palette. Right. But again, I think it works. And those are their white jerseys. I Look, have. They're, they're sweet. I have the spread of their other jerseys right here if you give me just a second i will pull these up they have orange jerseys so here's the orange and kind of the whole spread pretty nice detailed look so for the orange ones is that green instead of blue on the sides or is that still blue maybe i'm colorblind so that looks to me like navy on the shoulders that's what you're talking about yeah on the shoulders is it navy for both of them Away oh no no no! There's a little bit of green. Those are yeah. those are scales. I'm yeah. looking at I'm looking at the bottom and it looks like down there. But at the top, I think it's the, definitely the some orange, scales. The home ones have a little bit of. They both do. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just flipping the white and the orange, right? Yeah. As far as tops and the it bottoms. Looks, yeah, those might be the best. Those might be the, like that's a very that is a very strong start. Um, as far as our uniforms are concerned, and I don't know. I feel decent about like their main logo. That dragon is. Yeah. It not bad. Good. It's not, and, and you got the S for Yep. Yeah. Good, like secondary good looks, secondary uh, uh logo. Good. Another I think what be will be another favorite, honestly, is the Houston Roughnecks. And they've made a lot of changes to way the way their jersey looks this year as compared to the season in twenty twenty. Now hear me out on this one. I say like, see your face. What are your what are, what's the first thoughts on this? The helmets are atrocious. Okay. I thought so too. The more I watched the more it grew on me. And when you see it from this perspective, I think from there, it looks sick. And you You're, think about on the side of the helmet, right? You have Navy on one side, and then the other side is the white split with the red. It's the Texas flag, obviously. Yeah. Which I think is just a very creative and cool way 
to go about that. It's a little bit Houston Texan-esque, which I think the is idea, okay. The idea is there, the execution and the helmets. You don't think so? I just I think that the jerseys look great. Yep. I think the jerseys look great. Do you like I, the gradient numbers? They're all right. They yeah. do they do a better job than the Falcons did. Yes, dude. That was atrocious, wasn't it? Yeah. That was pretty bad. Yeah. I think I just don't like the helmets very much. They're not the worst helmets yep. I've ever seen, but I from this angle, I like them. They've grown on me. Like when you look at it head on, I think that looks pretty sick. Um again, we'll get up the let's get the full let's get the full spread here. We get a little bit of a better idea of what we're working with. Here's the the full spread for the roughnecks. So there you have like the more basic side of the helmet there with the roughneck logo. And again, the jerseys are basically just flip flop, but there's some good details for you guys watching, at least on YouTube. Um pretty cool stuff. If you're not watching this, that kind of sucks. Um yeah. you're kind of missing out on these. But if you're on Spotify, there is a video version of the podcast on Spotify. So go ahead and you know if you're listening, just pull out your phone, check not out the video driving, version. Though. Yeah, don't exactly. do it if you're driving. Do Bad. not don't do it. Nope. Driving or operating a golf, you know, a golf yeah, shagger like we talked about. Or mowing something. Probably not mowing right now. If you're, <laughs> you know, if mowing you're in, snow. If you're I'm in saying, the Midwest, if you're plowing snow, yeah. don't look at the look at the snow. <laughs> we can move on though. Um another I think another pretty strong contender, although this version of their jersey, this variation is not my favorite, the St. Louis Battlehawks. They have just a good color combination. They I do the, the silver. All gray or all silver is a little bit much for me. I don't know if I love it. Um, the other alternative is the Blues, and I really liked their jerseys in 2020. With Jordan Tom, who also made it look really good because he yeah. was balling out. Um, but if you take a look at this with their complete Am I, Was Heineke there, on that team too? You know, I don't know that actually. He might have been. I know he was in the XFL. You I can, think that was – You I, can fact check that for me. Um, but looking at here, again, what stands out to me right here, the helmet. The wings and the helmet are just so clean to me. Like, yeah, that's think, a really sick look. And they're actually even bigger than that, I believe. Um, if we go back to the other picture, I believe they're actually bigger than that on the uniform. And, of course, I have a head-on picture pulled up, and we cannot see either wings. And, yes, uh, Taylor Heineke was a quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks. There we go. The more you know. I believe he was a backup. Yeah. Behind Tom, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy that. Yeah. And now he's, yeah, and doing what he's doing. Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, he's a backup quarterback still, but he had a run there. He yeah. was a starting quarterback. He was for a minute. There. Yeah, for a minute. So, yeah. good cool. for him. But Battlehawks, definitely up there for me. I think they're they're my number two from what we've seen so far. Behind the Dragons? Yeah. Okay. I think it's, I think it's a, pretty, uh, a pretty fair assessment. Now, we can move on. I'll give you a pick here. Brahmas or Defenders? Two pretty solid picks. Let's go defenders first. Let's go defenders first. The defenders, the big thing that stuck out to me about this, these new defenders uniforms, the helmets. And I don't know how well you're going to be able to see that in this first picture that I pull up. So got, there you go. The, you can, you can the see the it right there. Down. So a couple of details that stand out to me first. The stars on the shoulder right there. That's right on cool. the, that is a shoulder yeah. pad that defend like that, like almost military yes, kind of like, you know, uh, ranking or status. Yeah. Love that detail. Otherwise, the jersey themselves, pretty simple. Stripes simple. on the pants, yeah. clean. The helmet, though, is where they, they make it. The white face masks are clean as hell. Mm-hmm. Then you have a little, just a little bit of that subtle camo going on the helmet. It's not... You oh, might I didn't not even realize yeah, that. Yeah, you might not be able to see it from That's where you're sitting. Cool. But, man, it is so clean. I might have a better picture of it here on the spread for you. Yes, I do. So, here, I'll pull this up, and maybe you can see that a little bit better. Yeah, that's but sweet. I really, I really like that helmet right there. Especially with the red visor, I mean, it's badass. And I'm biased. My high school colors were cardinal uh-huh. yeah. and white, so I'm always going to like cardinal and white. Yeah. like so I like those. Not trying to do too much with a simple color it's scheme, simple. right? Simple, You're really not trying to do too much, Sometimes simple just, just nice. But yeah, that touch of camo, I think, was like the little bit of flair that this plain jersey needed. Mm-hmm. And I, I love them, dude. I think they did a really good job with those. They're better than uh, the Renegades do. Yeah, helmet wise, overall. Oh, okay, okay, fair, agreed. Um, all right, San Antonio Brahmas, a new team in the XFL this year. This is the first. We'll take a look at their grays here with that like neon color. yellow. It's interesting. It is interesting. What is the logo on the helmet exactly? So their horns. Oh. And what's very interesting about that is I'll pull up the spread here as well in just a second. What but is their a horns. And What's a this is a better angle. I don't really know. Uh, oh, is it like a longhorn? I think so. 
but I'm not 100% sure. But anyways, there's horns right there, right? And they kind of wrap around the back of the helmet, which I think is very cool. As opposed to, I think the majority of helmet designs, like Rams and other things that we've seen, they kind of come from here, right? And they come from the front. Yes, exactly. Even the eagle wing. Yes, yes. Like the Battlehawks just kind of did. Oh, yeah. We saw that. So I think this is a cool take on, you know, a different idea, design idea. Um, And you can't really see in this picture, but the horns... Um, when they come back and meet behind the helmet, there's a B, a big B that like kind of cuts them out for Brahmas. And there might be a better, you can kind of see it on the back of his helmet. You can see a little bit of that B. Looks, Again, it looks nice. It, not trying to do too much. I think they're clean. Um, and then there are other. You don't, you don't want to do too much with that, that bright yellow. <clears throat> no, but I mean, they do have those neon yellow jerseys. But which, they're still not too bad. Yeah, they're pretty, yeah, they're plain as far as design yeah. wise. They're pretty yeah. plain. It's so. not too much. It's not I'm like, with it. Yeah, I like them too. I'm with the Brahmas. I'm with the Brahmas. Um, we got a couple more. I think we got three more. Let's go Renegades because Renegades were a jersey in 2020 that I think people were really excited about. I think people are pretty excited about these ones too, but they made some big changes. Um, these are the powder blues that I, I love. Think... Powder blue, like I just think powder blue uniforms always look good. Let's get a nice zoom in on that. Yeah, powder blue is sick, right? And I will say, I'll take a look at the their whites in a second. It's very uh, Houston. Is Houston Oilers correct? Oilers, very yeah. Houston Oiler reminiscent. Their whites are with those looks color like, schemes. This looks like the Titans a lot. It yeah, looks a little very, bit. Yeah, a little same bit. Same color combination. Yeah. Um, now the the choice of black on the head, the helmet stripe, is a little interesting to me, but I like it. Now, a little more importantly, I think. There's like little slight variations in all these, right? So yeah. like these guys have the very thick helmet stripe that tapers yeah. in the back, yeah, which is kind of interesting. Um, the red gloves, there's just not a lot of red in the uniform for me. There's a line you'll see when I pull this up. There's a line that kind of goes through their numbers on the jersey, but there's just not a whole lot of red in the actual jersey itself, which I think probably could be better. Their R logo is new from last year's logo. They had that like little bandit-looking guy that was yeah. really sweet. I hope they keep him as like a secondary logo. But there, you see those? A little bit. See those one, white ones? They're all right. Yeah. I don't like the numbers very much. No, with the line coming through? Yeah. You don't notice as much when it's on black, but no, when it don't. goes to the powder. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, eh, it's all right. I think they took a step back because their yeah. uniforms they're used in to be 2020. Sweet, yeah. I think they're something sweet. with the XFL, all their logos, looks, like most of them, look too like they're like futuristic. Like, yeah, they look really like they just upped the modern slider yeah. like as far like, as they could. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever that logo is. Yeah, it's... Okay, so it's... It's an R, but I'm trying to think of, like, what else it's supposed to be. An A? Like R, yeah, because I, I saw a D in an R for a second, then I was like, no, it's not that Dallas Renegade. It's Arlington. I, yeah, it's just... I don't know. Yeah, it is should have kept the little <laughs> Renegade <laughs> guy. should have kept the little Renegade guy. These guys... Made a total color change Weren't in they their like, jerseys. They were neon, dude. Like... Talking neon green and neon yellow. That's what I thought. And yeah. they were, yeah. I think they were still the Las Vegas Vipers. Now these are the Vegas Vipers. Lost the loss. Well, that was smart. Yep, it just sounds better. It does. Vegas Vipers, pretty clean. I like the detail in the numbers on the jersey. I don't know if you can see that very well from where you're sitting right there. Can you? There's like some kind are of there, fine texture in those is numbers. They're like scales, like a viper. Yes. So it's yeah, got some cool. of that snake skin type yeah. effect. Really like how they like those type of details are really cool. They also have it on the shoulders. Um, and what makes it otherwise, again, kind of plain uniform, makes it stand out. Really like it. Um, and then if you look at the spread of what else they've got going on, there you go. Those those are nice. I like them. I will say, though, were those in the last picture that we just saw, were those the whites? Yeah. And those, that's not it. There. Those yeah. are the whites? They look gray almost. But, that, I mean, obviously, they're not Maybe the blacks. Maybe they're... Are they, off. That looks like white, 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 white. Yeah, that did not look like the same jersey, right? It looks almost off white. Yeah, but like, I like it. I like it. Too. I like it a lot. Their logos, eh? It's better than whatever the Renegades. Was. <laughs> yeah, you're not Renegade. I'm, I'm still gonna be on that. That that looks horrible. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Seattle definitely the favorite though. Oh, for sure, that's my favorite. Yeah, and who'd you who'd you have behind them? DC or Battlehawks? Probably Battlehawks. And then DC? Yeah, and then I'd go Brahmas after them. Okay, well, we have one more. We oh, have we got one the more. Orlando. It used to be the New York Guardians. It is now the Orlando Guardians. These are definitely not going to take your top spot away. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. They're just kind of kind of not good. <laughs> That's the white jersey. Uh, let me take the, a look the here. Home? 
I actually think the white jerseys are better than their others. Yeah, that you know what that reminds me of? Michigan State. Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. you knew yeah, I was gonna say dude, it. immediately. And I'm a diehard Michigan State fan, and I Not it. I hate those uniforms. I hope they. <laughs> I really hope they get rid of them. Decommission the uniforms. Yes. There's a weird cult following for those uniforms. You know that? Really? Like, there's a select group of individuals that will them. die, like defending those uniforms on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you That's have. That's crazy because they're pitiful. <laughs> There's the Guardian spread. And so are those. Um, the Guardians are also pitiful. The helmet line itself, you know, like going up the up the crown yeah. of the helmet, that's, I think it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's a cool little Their home uniforms are Let me find, delicious. nope, that's Vipers, and and I lost it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's not, it doesn't really do much for me. I'm going to go ahead and say Seattle, consensus number one pick. Um, number two, you've got Battlehawks. Yeah, Battlehawks. I think I'll go Defenders on two, okay. and then Battlehawks three. I'm going to flip those, and then Brahmas for me. Is is really clean, but I also then like Roughnecks and Renegades are there. Roughnecks is, don't don't say Roughnecks. You're wrong. Those helmets are so bad. <laughs> Either way, we ran through those. Um, pretty good stuff. We'll move on. Uh, the USFL college draft. This will be a pretty quick kind of recap of this. But basically, I want to preface it by saying that a lot of people are confused by this. Like, how are these guys getting drafted to the USFL? Yeah. A lot of these guys have. I'm NFL one of those people. I texted Kobe yeah. earlier in this week. I'm like. What is going on? Like, I didn't understand. <laughs> like, whatsoever. they can't do this. Like, these yeah. guys want to play in the league, not the USFL. Yeah. You know? So, if a player does not get drafted or ends up getting cut from an NFL roster in the season um, or in the future, they will revert to the roster of the USFL team that selected them. Kind of neat. So, it could be like a backup plan, a backup yeah, feature, yeah. Or a security. I think that helps the USFL. It gives them almost – they're not – partnered with the NFL, mm. but they got a little... Because people talk about like the feeder system and yeah. what league will try it's, to align themselves. almost somewhat of a feeder. Feels I, like I, the first step. First step, for sure. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, I think the USFL needed something like that because so far, XFL is Dude, 100 times XFL better. XFL is it. XFL yeah. is it. Now, obviously, that could be recency bias as well because they're playing football and the USFL is not, but the product of football that we've seen from them is not bad and the rules yeah. make it more engaging. I like fun. the kickoffs. Dude. I, I do too. I, and the fourth and fifteen. I, I as like onside it. kick. Yeah, I and mean, we saw is the prime example of that in that game. Hawks. Yeah, the Battlehawks, and they come back mm-hmm. and do that. So um, I thought that was really neat. Now for the USFL draft, and you lost your thought earlier. Mine just totally went right out of my head. Um, but this is the first time they've done a college draft, like a strictly college draft, which is kind of unique, I think. Um, and the thing we talked about with Jaron a little bit. The first overall pick in the USFL draft was an offensive lineman out of Michigan State by the name of Jarrett Horst, and this is the graphic Getting they use. in his graphic. Yeah, dude. That's not Jarrett Horst. Number the 90, that whoever is, that is. The guy that is holding number 90 for U of M would be the first overall pick in the USFL draft. That is not a good look. Like, how do you I'm sure there's that? so many pictures of him, too. Oh, there are. Draft. Yeah, you want to look at the replies? I think one of the first ones was that... Basically, oh, these are all, like, related. These aren't the replies. But I'll find it. But one of the first ones was literally, like, um, you know, I have I just spent three seconds Googling this, and I already found a better old. picture. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's it's just a, just a bad look. I don't really understand why they would do that. Some of the reactions, embarrassing, embarrassing graphic for, for an embarrassing, embarrassing leak. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, dude. There's, there's a good one. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> but just dumb. I think yeah, it was, it was how unprofessional. Yeah, it's really bad. Like whoever made that graphic, I hope they Should, got cut. Yeah, they got cut. I mean, they, they can't released. be making that much money as a graphic designer for the USFL. Yeah, probably not. But. I don't they know. should be doing better than that. They should be really bad. There's a lot of graphics for them to put out, you know, in one day. But like, you know, you got time in advance. I would assume to do at least do most of them. Um, anyways, want to touch on that because, like I said in the beginning, in the intro, there were 62 guys that were drafted the USFL drafts. Check out our Twitter and our Instagram to see who those guys were. And then one NAIA guy from Benedictine, Benedictine. I don't know. Bened- I would say Benedictine College. Benedictine that's College. How, that's how I would say. There it. you go. But I don't go there, so I don't Word. know for sure. Benedictine College, we'll stick with it. That was drafted as well, which was uh, pretty cool for him to see and pretty cool for us to see that the guys were getting picked up from that level. Now, this is what I was going to say earlier. just came back to me. <laughs> the USFL is in such a unique position, I believe, in this, college, this first annual inaugural college draft. Yeah. Because as a USFL 
owner, coach, whoever the hell was doing mm-hmm. the drafting. It was always the coaches, right? Because there's no owners and GMs, I don't think. I don't think so. Because you have owners of like the league. Anyways, assume it's the head coach. They are in a very interesting position because people, some people who just didn't really understand the concept are like, why aren't they drafting Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those guys. And you have to think about it. He's the first overall pick in the USFL draft. That's them saying, I think you are the best of the guys that will not get a chance in the NFL. Yeah. Right? I think that puts them in a very interesting predicament. So I read a couple articles on it, and basically that's what they were thinking. They're looking at guys who are projected fifth round or, like, later or undrafted free agents or potentially just don't get any calls. Those are the guys that you're looking at. Right. Which is, I think, a very interesting situation. What what I found interesting, I thought there'd be a lot more guys from smaller schools. Yes. Yeah. Now – yeah, you know what I mean. So what was it? Did you say sixty-two and one NAIA? One NAIA. That I thought there. there Everyone be, else was FBS or FCS, which is very surprising to me. Agreed. Now this graphic that we're going to throw up here is kind of to go along with that notion, though. Twenty twenty-three USFL college draft by conference among FBS schools. All FBS schools. You'll see the Power Five teams on here. The SEC is last on this list. Because most of them get drafted. Exactly. The NFL. Exactly. Like so the Big Twelve. Leads with nine players, which, you know, is like, oh, yeah, that's great for the Big 12. And you're like, is it, though? No, it's, it <laughs> means that their product of players is worse than the other power five. Yes, it means that the coaches, exactly, you're, you're exactly right. It means yeah. the coaches think these guys are good, good enough to play professional football, but not good enough to crack right, it exactly. consistently on an NFL roster. Yeah. So nine players from the Big 12, eight players from the ACC, six from the Big 10. Then you get into some group of five schools here. You got four players from Conference USA, the MAC, and the Sun Belt. Three players from, is that the American Conference? Yeah, that's American. Mountain West and the Pac-12. And then at the very bottom, the SEC. Apparently, the Pac-12 and the SEC are right here (laughs) as far as competition, right? It looks funny that Pac-12, Mountain West, and uh, AAC is Are just in the same part of a graphic? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty funny. I mean, Pac-12, it's just, they're always Uh, Is Pac-12 there because they're at the same level as Mountain West and the American Conference? (laughs) Or is it because they're at the same level as the SEC? You, you, I think you could argue both. either way on that one. Yeah, both. They're at the same level of both. Yeah, it's like a rhetorical question. <laughs> uh, but pretty interesting. I guess I'll just show you the graphic that we put out on our socials. Here are the small school athletes that were taken in the USFL college draft. You have Darius Hagens from, I believe, Virginia State. Uh, Andrew Farmer was from Lane College. Quentin Barrow, we played against from Grand Valley. Ethan Evans from Wingate. You have Joey Fisher from Shepard. Trey Botts from Colorado State Pueblo, and then Chim Okorafor from Benedictine College. A lot of guys in the trenches. A lot of guys in the trenches. Uh, not a lot of skill position, only the one running back. So, Which is interesting. Interesting, and it makes you think, like, you know, can't coach size, right? Yeah. You can't I coach size. I also thought Quinton Barrow was definitely getting looked at by NFL scouts. Yeah, so that's what really surprised me. I will say he was taking, like, 18th overall in this draft, so, like, definitely so maybe highly regarded. Thinking, okay, we... 18th pick, maybe he comes with a, maybe he comes to us, maybe he doesn't. Like, and also, we heard about that caveat I was reading earlier that if, say, Quentin Barrow gets a chance, if he's not drafted, he gets a chance yeah. as an undrafted free agent, which I think is a very good possibility. Right, right, right. Say he goes halfway through the season on a practice squad and gets cut. He can go over. All of a sudden, guess who has the rights? Well, I should say the rights, but who can you know bring in Quentin Barrow as first dibs? I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Man, I went out of the mic for y'all. Hope you appreciate that because that was that was brewing for a second. Um, but it could work out for them. Yeah, could work out for them big time. So, do you know if they have another draft coming? Like, do they have a, like a draft that they did last year as well? Because that was just the college draft. Like, I would assume they do because they have to fill out their roster. They more. have to fill them out with. Then you get guys that you know. Yeah, didn't make the cut in the NFL that are two, three year veterans, four year veterans. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, we'll finish it out. A couple pieces of NFL news, just very quickly, kind of run through. Rams releasing linebacker Bobby Wagner after just one season. The Detroit NFL. Lion? That's yeah. Question that's kind mark? of the that's kind of the conversation, right? So, Bobby Wagner hit free agency last last year for the first time in his decade long NFL career. Uh, Going to be a free agent now after the Rams released him. He was only there for one year. Uh, I think it was a pretty productive one. Pretty uh, good. Yeah, played pretty well. Seemed like for him, at least for him. Obviously, look at the stats, the team, and everything. But. Um, he clearly just doesn't want to be there. I mean, yeah, it's kind of what it sounds like, because he played good. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, also a salary cutting 
move, yeah. I think, by the Rams. Uh, looks like here currently more than $14 million above the salary cap. So Yeah, that's not ideal, especially when you are didn't yeah, even make the playoffs. Exactly. So he's 32 years old, and it's going to be interesting. Obviously a veteran, veteran guy. The Rams had signed him to a five-year, $50 million deal last April. Received $20 million in guarantees, which included $10 million in signing. And uh, both his 2022 base salary and 2023 roster bonus were fully guaranteed. So, Rams are taking a $7.5 million dead money hit this year. But, uh, it's interesting. Started all 17 games for the Rams. Uh, career best six sacks while adding 140 tackles, 10 for loss, two interceptions, and five passes defended. Holy shit. He played good. Dude, that's better than good. I didn't realize it. I knew he was playing well for them and added that veteran chip yeah. to their defense. He's still playing at an elite Holy level. Holy shit. He's playing at an elite level. Career best six and sacks for a middle linebacker. He's going to look great in that Honolulu blue. <laughs> he's going to look fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> I like that's a move that I could definitely see them making. Um, I know the guys there like Anzalone. Anzalone is not Bobby Wagner. No, I I love Anzalone. He's, I've grown to like him a lot more after watching him play. He's not Bobby Wagner, and will never be anywhere close to Bobby Wagner. Probably not, and that's okay because that's a pretty high uh, you know standard to try yeah, and but you know, live but up Anzalone. To. He's not on that big of a contract. He can, exactly. You can bring in you can Wagner. Probably keep him around is what you're saying, yeah. right? You know, yeah. like, it's, they're not mutually exclusive. You can yeah. have a little bit of both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and especially when you talk it, about how much playing time Rodrigo got this year, Malcolm Rodriguez, bringing in a guy like that, um, even with guys like Hutch and like James Houston, if we pick up another edge guy in this year's draft, like what he would do for them. And what really is a younger secondary too, like that whole defense, I feel yeah. like the, for the majority, right? Uh, Aleem McNeil on the D-line and a couple other guys. It's a very young, young defense. Yeah, so exciting stuff. Um, we're ready for him to, to make it official with the Lions yep. whenever they make that happen. Also, obviously, like the talk has been about Jalen Ramsey too, but like that, I don't know if that has any backing to it at all. Uh, he'll be a Lion as well. <laughs> we're just going to get all of them. We're going to get all of them. Back to the Detroit Ram talks. Yep. <laughs> uh, finally, Stafford's coming back as well. <laughs> and I brought a broken neck or back or whatever it is. <laughs> Jesus. Finally, to finish out today, uh, Dave Canales, Canales, <sighs> offensive coordinator for the Bucks, wants... Kyle Trask to, quote, just be a point guard at quarterback. That's what he said. What do you think about that? Well, I don't know what that's supposed to mean because, of course, why don't I tell you? You're going to tell me? I'm going I'm to try. Uh, so Kyle Trask, 2021 second-round pick, obviously having to fill the shoes of Tom Brady, you know, go Bomb. <laughs> at the same time, dude, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, not, I'm like, I don't hey, love Tom Brady. I don't like Tom Brady. But I don't even think Tom goat. Brady's the goat. That's a conversation for a different day. Yeah. Before we anger people. Um, this is what Canales said um, about Trask. He said he was able to distribute. And the thing we're going to help Kyle continue to build on here is just be a point guard. Point guards don't have to be the ones that score all the points. You just distribute. Play on time. Get the ball out of your hands. Life's better that way. You've got these bears chasing you. Get rid of the ham. And that's the football. So he wants them to basically be a Tom Brady, just distribute, just be Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think the the football term, that's what Jimmy, I mean, the football term for those type of quarterbacks, I don't think it's point Game guard. Game manager. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's what Jimmy Garoppolo has been called, I think, but for a long at time. At the same time, you could say Tom Brady's just the greatest game manager there ever was. You totally could. Yeah, because that's what that's, he is. That's, <laughs> that's all he is. I mean, he's not a great athlete. He, a, that's yeah. what he is. No, 100%. And uh, you're, you're all right in that. And the thing is, like, I also think it's funny that that title only comes when you're on a really good roster. Yeah. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is a prime example of that. When you have guys around you that are playmakers like that, I think people love to divert uh, praise and things away from the quarterback and other situations where and they wouldn't. They call Kirk Cousins that all the time too. They do. Even though, uh, I don't know if he's really, he has a good arm. Like it's, mm -hmm. I don't know if he's a game manager. Yeah. No, I think he's he's a better quarterback than that. But it'll be interesting to see if, if that's the I saw guy. An, I saw another really. quote that said, I don't know if it was also the offensive coordinator, but someone, I saw this on Twitter today, that said that he could be, Kyle Trask can be the best quarterback in their division. And I then, did see that as well. And then the, tweets, so, the, tweet, the replies were hilarious. It's like, that's not much competition coming yeah. from that, that, yeah. that division. So, I mean, look at the rest of, of their division. Um, is Jameis Winston still with the Saints? Uh, He's not, is he? I don't know. I don't think he is. Is Dalton still with the Saints? I don't know. I don't know. So then you look at well, he could the be Panthers. Than... Is Sam Darnold right? Still? He, I think he's a free agent. He is. You're right. So, so wait, Matt Corral is the only quarterback on the roster currently. 
Holy shit, and he was injured. He didn't play the whole season. Yeah, exactly. So then is, then, is um, Cincinnati. Ritter. Is Ritter That's the best quarterback in the NFC South? Technically, he's probably the only The only proven star. one? He's not even proven. Taysom but he, Hill? Well, he's not a quarterback, but. Come on. He's an athlete. He's an athlete. That is a weird conversation. Like, he might be the best Ritter might is probably the most proven quarterback in currently. There. Yes, yeah. The other I don't know. Teams, I don't know who their backups are on the other team, so we could be a little bit off on that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But sweet, that's all we got. Good stuff. I'm gonna go blow the shit out of my nose. It, my left nostril is operating at zero percent capacity. Down now. to zero. It's down to zero. It it's, was five earlier. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. It's not. Good. I'm gonna go blow my nose and go to bed. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Do you want rejects episode eighty eight?